So welcome to another session of Crypto Talks weekly as we see you every week. And this week is somehow crazy, I would say. Bloodbath, dark. I don't know. I'm trying to find synonyms of what we are passing through with uh, all of the FUD and all of the uh, all of the FUD that's happening between FTX and FTX in general and FTX and Binance. I was going to write an article a couple of days ago. Who is the liar? Was it uh, FTX or Binance? But then we've seen <laughs> what happened since then and the massacre for the market and the massacre of prices that, that that's happening. And hopefully we will, as usual, try to find uh, an up curve or try to find at least some stability so that we can survive the day, as they say, right? So today we have a great guest with us. He's in the back end waiting. Soon we will allow him to join us. Meanwhile, let's jump. So as usual, this is the first thing that we usually talk about is fraud and do watch out alerts. There's many, uh, actually, the three of us today share common things and one of them is fraud profiles. So <laughs> I think this is crazy. We've been, you know, we've been scammed by our uh, native name. Just watch out if anybody speaks to you on our behalf. We don't do actually any trading. At least I'll speak between me and uh, uh, Tay. Uh, I'll let later on also uh, George explain or maybe uh, has shed some lights on this uh, kind of thing that's happening to all of the you know uh, people in the field. So as you know, we are uh, sponsoring many events in the Middle East from technology to blockchain. Uh, we have in a few days around 15th of November, uh, IDC Digital Transformation Forum that is happening in Dubai. Then we have 17 and 18 uh, Blockchain Forum uh, Middle East uh, also happening in Dubai. Uh, we have the Global Blockchain Congress happening on the 23rd and 24th of uh, November. And hopefully I will be there. So uh, hope to see you. Uh, we have sponsored all of the events that technically all of the events that happened within the last couple of months and since the beginning of the year. So this is a proud achievement that we can also uh, mention. Don't forget to download and check out our uh, top 25 women in fintech and blockchain. Uh, they, are, they have been released now. Make sure to go on our website and check them out. They are amazing women. We want more. If you know, for next year, we want to grow this list beyond those 25 ladies. So uh, we want to really inspire other women to go into the space. It was pleasure working with the judges that we had eight judges, 16 eight judges this year. And hopefully some of those names next year will be also part of the judging panel. So I just want to release, we released yesterday and last week, two interviews, two very important interviews. Interviews, sorry. Uh, the first one is, yeah, the first one is uh, Milestone uh, CEO. It's one of the best interviews that we had with Thomas. Thomas is the global lead and the global CEO of uh, Milestone, video surveillance and video technology. Amology they have, <laughs> I had some privilege to see some of it. And then that was an amazing thing. Do check out what is the next revolution that is happening in the video and the video surveillance and the video data, how they are managing those. It happened in Dubai and we are really, really, really uh, privilege to have Thomas on our platform, Thomas Jensen, the global CEO of Milestone. And also, 
Another interview is with Morales, uh, Ivan on tech. If you follow him on Twitter, he's one of the amazing people in the development space, inspiring those developers and trying to help them using Morales as a platform. So if you are into development and so on, follow this guy, follow Morales, try to see how you can jump and then be in this space. So with that, we have another news on the 20th of November, which is next Sunday, not this one, next Sunday. It's happening along the Formula One in Dubai. Uh, join us for the Cardano Summit in Dubai in Unbox Business Bay. It's going to be a full day in parallel to the global Cardano Summit that is happening. We have lined up nice names in the Cardano uh, industry who are developing our Cardano and people from the Cardano Foundation. So with that, let me take my guest quickly and then we will start. So here we go. George, welcome to Crypto uh, Talks and the Expo. Uh, for those who doesn't know you, I would love you to help so that you know more people to know who who you are. Okay, first I'm I am just just George, George Sebastião. Um, it's a Portuguese uh, origin name, so I'm Portuguese uh, Canadian origin. I've been in technology for a little bit over 35 years. So in this uh, long uh, career now with technology, I've seen everything from the early days of uh, seeing a punch card to the modern day of today, where we are talking, for example, about NFTs, metaverse, and uh, blockchain technology. In this uh, uh, long journey, um, I've had uh, quite a lot of experience associated with cybersecurity, about 22 plus years, uh, about 15 years uh, touching in uh, AI computing, about 10 years in cloud computing as well. So a lot of the key elements and uh, building blocks that help helped us uh, come to where we are today, both in the area of metaverse and immersive technologies, um, as well as uh, blockchain as well. Yeah, so uh, you are a kind of with you. entrepreneur if, if somebody wants to call you in the space. Well, I have helped create um, quite a few products over the years, some were products in cybersecurity. So I help a lot um, the startups to be successful in their journey. Um, when you have a substantial amount of experience in technology in a multitude of technology companies, like, for example, Computer Associates, Huawei, uh, where I was CTO for about 20 countries around the Middle East and visit almost 30 plus countries in Africa. So you get an exposure to a lot of the experiences uh, with customers from various perspectives. For example, telecom, integration of payment systems, fintech, and the, the protection of this entire infrastructure uh, using uh, cybersecurity. So uh, that really means that when we talk to startups, uh, we understand the kind of requirements that they have. And these requirements may be associated, for example, with capital. These requirements be, may be associated with talent or qualified talent so that they can help develop the correct solutions. And finally, we find that probably the most important ingredient in any business is not just the financing or the um, technologists of this organization, but actually the ecosystem, how you establish relationships, how you create a community, and how you create an ecosystem 
because you, you, when you take a journey, you don't do the journey by yourself. So you need to have a lot of uh, relationships with uh, other organizations uh, to actually be able to be successful in this journey. So, you know, you, you host EcoX in Dubai and in, uh, in Cyprus. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about EcoX and the environment of blockchain in specific in UAE and Dubai? What's happening there? Yes, actually, EcoX uh, started a little bit over five years ago. Uh, when we started uh, EcoX, uh, what we were um, trying originally to do is to meet, have meetups with people who were in the blockchain uh, technology. A lot of people didn't always have all the necessary knowledge about all the elements of blockchain. So by organizing weekly meetups, people establish relationships and knowledge on the on this uh, blockchain. And this could be all the elements associated with blockchain. As you know, today blockchain is quite complex. Uh, we obviously have uh, many chains and uh, we have probably today upwards of several hundred chains. Within those chains, we have various ways of doing uh, applications. These applications, for example, could be things like, for example, DeFi or other. So by doing and understanding these different applications like NFTs, DeFi, uh, even DAO, decentralized autonomous organizations, we can help um, organizations that would be doing startups or participating uh, in these solutions to actually proceed. For example, yesterday we had an EcoX in Dubai and we focused on the topic of NFTs. NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. And uh, although NFTs appear to be new, they are not new. NFTs were created initially almost about five plus years ago. And the first set of, you can say, popular NFTs were something known as CryptoKitties, which involved uh, basically a generation of DNA cats that looked like cartoons and they could be merged together. Behind them, there was a smart contract running on the Ethereum blockchain. But even this initial version of NFT already gave us the appreciation of what is possible, but at the same time also gave us an appreciation of what is the consequences and the risks. For example, the Ethereum blockchain was not designed for the scalability or the performance required to run CryptoKitties, so therefore created substantial backlogs in the Ethereum blockchain and it ended up creating a gas fees are going extremely high. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a very uh, good uh, note on this topic that things are changing. I think the ecosystem is changing. How we how we look at it is changing. Our knowledge is changing. Everything is changing. Don't forget to follow George uh, either on Linkbar slash George or on Twitter uh, at for George on Twitter. So, do you mind also telling me a little bit about your experience in the ecosystem of? What's happening really in Dubai and the massive, you know, adoption, regulation, companies moving there, companies trying to take licenses. And we've seen the amount of licenses that has been given for, since the beginning of this year. Uh, what's the what's will, will Dubai be? You know, I, I always say that Dubai is actually the hub of the blockchain ecosystem. Is that uh, accurate? Something to say? Well, Dubai is definitely one of the centers for blockchain probably today one of those leading uh, blockchain centers 
But we have several hubs that actually exist today. For example, Lisbon is the second one of these hubs as well. Uh, they obviously do not have necessarily the same level of aggressiveness towards the business or the same level of maturity. All of them have got uh, challenges associated with them uh, to proceed. So let's first start uh, with Dubai. So Dubai has always been a technological center. It's always been pushing uh, the envelope about how to you know, bring talent to the region. Uh, and, it, it, and this talent extends well beyond blockchain. It extends into artificial intelligence, smart cities, uh, more recently, even metaverse as an example where we hold, held the Metaverse Assembly to kick off some directional for government. We go back almost 10, 15 years, we had the e-government push. So all these are major initiatives that help drive this progress. Of course, Dubai also benefited from some things that happened, example, COVID-19. As a result, many countries or cities became very restrictive access and travel. Example places like China or even Singapore, you had had something like 21 days of quarantine where Dubai decided to vaccinate everybody. And yes, it did have some restrictive measures, but it reopened very, very fast. And as a result, a lot of talent saw that Dubai was a welcoming place that allowed them to actually uh, operate. And as a result, um, going back as far as three years, a lot of Companies in the blockchain space started relocating key amounts of resources to Dubai. But as you know, talent is not everything. So you need also financing. So obviously, we have the birth of new funds that actually focus enterprise, the blockchains and fintech. Example, in the region, we have something like Shisha Finance, which is one of these funds. The third element that has also played an important role is regulations. As you know, Regulations in the Middle East move extremely slow. So one of the things that Dubai introduced a little bit almost, uh, I think close to 20 years ago or 18 years, was the uh, free zones. The first zone uh, that it opened was Dubai Internet City. And I remember being there for the opening when the first three buildings got open and uh, companies like Microsoft, IBM, Oracle moved uh, there. And the idea was to attract these companies to establish a hub in the region uh, so that they could bring the talent and represent this talent across the entire Gulf and, and the region as well. So, of course, today, a few years later, we don't have just one Dubai Internet City. We actually have upwards of um, uh, three zones that are upwards of 50 in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, so we have three zones that are... Um, Ras El Hayma, Ajman, Sharjah, just to name a few. But the bulk of them still remain in places like Dubai. Even Abu Dhabi, which governmental moves sometimes a bit slower, as ADGM as a free zone, that is fairly um, well known as well, and has done a lot of things in digital assets. So the free zones allow you to have regulation that moves fast and being able to adopt new ways. Of course, they are not mainland, so... Uh, doing business in the mainland still requires you to have uh, something like a local partner, but you can have a solution that helps you do that. Specifically to blockchain, there is a um, main zone or free zones that actually uh, specialize in that. One of the first ones was 
Dubai Silicon Oasis, where a good colleague of mine, Paul Abdullah Hunt, introduced at that time something called as Halal Coin, which was one of the first coins that was Islamic compliant at a, a certain amount of success, although it never really exploded to a massive amount of capability, but it established the ground for everybody that came after. So now you can say in the leading position for blockchain and digital assets, we probably have DMCC, which is in JLT, headed by Hamad bin Suleiman, uh, and they have attracted several thousand companies from outside to establish their hub here and actually grow uh, in the region. But they are not alone. We have uh, Vara, the IFC, uh, just to name a few, they're also doing. But even if Dubai has become a hub, one has to realize that it's a GCC or General Gulf Corporation Council. And in the GCC, there is um, countries like Bahrain that is also leading in a very serious way, both in the fintech world, regulated fintech world, and this guy's regulated by the central bank. So you can say to some extent that licenses in place like Bahrain, because they're regulated by the central bank, provide a certain level, you know, more deep, uh, you know, valuation. Uh, that means you can directly integrate into the existing banking system and have both on, on and off ramps with more easiness. We have uh, places like Saudi Arabia that have also started to pursue uh, these new technologies uh, as well by helping you tokenize uh, or introduce them into the traditional financial systems that have been in place and also help move the Islamic financial system to also make use of, of these technologies in a very um, effective way. So that you can say that the Middle East has been and has become a vibrant startup economy with lots of creativity, lots of innovation, lots of talent. Just to give you an idea, if we look at, for example, at the month of October, which we just finished, uh, specifically in blockchain, we probably had somewhere between 80 and 100 uh, events associated with blockchain with about something like four or five major conferences, the largest one being the Future Blockchain Summit, which is part of JITEX, a mega annual event that has existed for over 30 years. Great. Interesting, interesting. Now comes the massacre that we are witnessing you know uh, in the couple of, in the last couple of days uh, i think the last couple of days are unique uh, I, I remember maybe 2013 again 2018 and last and end of last year also the things that are happening how how much it is bearish how things are being you know uh, dropping billions and billions of dollars uh, a lot of fud that is also adding to this What's your take on FTX and also on uh, Binance latest, uh, you know, quarrel? I won't say quarrel, latest things that are happening now. I, I think this is not really a quarrel between FTX and Binance. Uh, I, you know, in that sense, I disagree a little bit. It is a little bit history repeating itself. Since I've been in technology for 35 years, I have watched the dot-com boom and the dot-com bust and the various waves that it took .com to kind of become mature. And I think we're, what we are observing in blockchain is kind of a repeat of that history. I think uh, there's a certain level of um, immaturity in the blockchain world. And this uh, 
immaturity leads to these uh, consequences, you can say. Uh, let's take, for example, this, whatever statements were made by one side or the other. If uh, bo both organizations, in this case, were solid organizations based on solid assets, barely nothing would have happened. But what happens really in blockchain, because it's digital technology, when there is trouble, and what I mean by when there is trouble is if the house that you have built is not based on a solid foundation, and the solid foundation really means the assets that you have behind it, then um, there's consequences. That means maybe you're moving at too much of a fast pace, and as a result of moving at this fast pace, if something goes wrong, when it goes wrong, it goes wrong in a very accelerated way. People panic. And by the way, this operates not just in blockchain. Uh, I think um, I have uh, had, the, I cannot say the pleasure, but I've assisted, uh, for example, when there was the runs in the banks in Cyprus because of the Greek problem. And actually, it was not just Greece, it was, it was the same one original country, Portugal, Spain, Ireland. And a few others were involved, and they, they created something called the Troika, which is extra regulation for these countries for a period of time. This was basically a result of asset stacking and manipulation. And the same thing is happening here in blockchain. When people move too much in aggressive ways, this leads to this kind of risks and instability. That really means that the organizations that are building blockchain should focus more on customer service, more on products, and establish a very solid ground. So if you're on solid ground, and maybe sometimes um, you take a more timely approach to grow your business, then there is much less chance of these risks actually taking place. Now, this brings us another important factor. We live today in the world of social media, which is very different than many years ago. News used to travel much slower. So today, tweets, a tweet by one or another individual of uh, influence or power, can have a substantially more impact than any printed news or otherwise would have had many years ago. And we have seen that influence extend to other elements of blockchain. I think if you remember uh, when Elon Musk made some tweets about some specific uh, coins some time ago, you can see that these coins one day go up tremendously or go down tremendously the next day. So you can say that really what happened here between FTX, Binance is a result of this immaturity in the market. And of course, this is going to lead to a period of instability. And I think, uh, like CZC said uh, today, nobody wins by this instability. Uh, you know, most people think, oh, CZ won the battle. No, there's no actually... If you destroy your enemy, you actually lose the battle as well in the process because it's an ecosystem that you have built in place. And because you have built an ecosystem, you need competitors because this is what allows you to flourish. That's what allows you to keep a better product. This is what keeps you honest. So this, this competition is extremely important. The same way there was competition in the database uh, between Oracle, Sybase, and Forumx, Ingress, and many others. The day that it, it gets to a single vendor being the leader and, and controlling 80 or 90%, then it becomes a very bad day for the business because at the end of the day, this uh, single uh, vendor that stays behind, does it have the incentive to innovate? Does it have the in incentive to offer 
the best prices and services to its customers? Or does it become lazy over time? So competition is actually good and healthy because it keeps everybody honest and keeps everybody trying to do the best as they move forward. Obviously, Binance uh, has been very good at optimizing. Um, it's probably the third time I've had the chance of interacting uh, with uh, Chinese uh, culture and Chinese approach towards business. Um, you can say the first time was when I spent 10 years at Computer Associates, where the uh, big boss was a Chinese-American. The second time was in Huawei, where the big boss was also Chinese. And now we have in Binance a Chinese background uh, boss, if you want to say, or leader. And uh, one of the things that is very unique about um, Chinese as a culture is they're very conscientious about optimizing, about saving costs, about moving fast, about delivering better services in the most fast, efficient way. So rather than concentrate on building expensive services, they concentrate on more uh, efficient services for a much larger population in a much larger mass. So they uh, tend to work very hard. Um, they work many hours per day, and that's what allows them and establishes them as leaders um, in these markets. Uh, very interesting take on this aspect. And we've got more questions, so keep them coming. I forgot to uh, write your questions. And already we have some questions for you, so uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll sure. take them in a few. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a critical, and then one of those... Uh, notes today that it happened at this day bitcoin was all time high all time high 69000 last year so uh we we're we're witnessing uh, a turnover if i want to say because i think now bitcoin is around 17000 let me update the prices quickly 17000 more or less exactly Ethereum 1163 bnb on ada on 0.35 and bnb on 288. So, uh, so the same thing applies for Bitcoin. Uh, I mean, many people, especially what I would call the Bitcoin maximalists, for lack of a better term, how to use them, they tend to say, my idea to have the best value of Bitcoin is to buy some, hold it, and do nothing with it. This is not utility. So I think the success of Bitcoin goes by the utility that is being and the usage that is being provided by Bitcoin. So that really means the people that are building things like the Lightning Network and layer two solutions around Bitcoin to provide everyday practical solutions are the people that are gonna help give more value to Bitcoin. Bitcoin, just like buy and hold, it, it, uh, I think it's not a long-term solution. Uh, I'm sorry, I believe that it is what you do with it. Now, whether you use uh, wrapping and staking mechanisms and, and many others, which today is possible. So that means today you can actually earn a passive income by staking your Bitcoin and allowing other people or giving liquidity to other services or other, other products. So in reality, what you're doing is you're becoming an investor in those products and services so that they actually become more successful in the scalability of their solutions. So this is the right path and this is what will give Bitcoin over time much higher value and much higher capturing of the market. Uh, if you look today, even at the market, um, from the usability perspective, 
I think maybe four or five percent of everybody on the planet has got a digital wallet. So we have a long way ahead of us. And that really means the solutions that we're building today are simply not um, friendly enough. They are too complex to use. And I always give the example is, take a look at the guy that is the doorman at your restaurant or the waiter or the guy that drives the taxi for you. If we build a solution that is usable by them on everyday business, then the entire crypto and blockchain community will flourish enormously. But until we reach that level, I think we have to concentrate on creating better, more friendly GUIs, being able to integrate these applications into existing systems that we use every day, like the mobile phone, as an example. And by doing that, I mean, nothing tells me that every time when today you buy a phone, whether that phone is from iPhone or Apple or from uh, a version of Android, and there's hundreds of these versions, why does it not come? with a blockchain wallet by default. That means we have still a long road ahead. So when this starts to happen, then we'll be driving much massive adoption because then we'll reach somewhere, I don't know, probably 65 to 75% of people using wallets. You'll never reach 100% because not everybody is connected. Some people are retired and it's certainly not important for them. I think what we would call full adoption is when we reach very similar numbers. So between the 5% that we have today and the 75 or plus 80% that we need to reach, this is the gap that we need to address. And we need to address this gap by many things. I mentioned you, uh, user-friendly interfaces, but this is not enough. We need to provide proper education. And what I mean by proper education is not send these people to university. I'm talking about giving awareness about... Uh, what does the technology can do, how you can use it, and, and teach them. And uh, teach them means they be able to change their lives in a more e efficient way. Now, the good news is that if we look at places like, for example, Dubai, you can already pay, although crypto is not a universal, you can already pay for certain services like consultation services or pay your rent or buy a building or, or an apartment or you, you can... Uh, make some payments in some stores, like even Lulu started adopting crypto and blockchain. Lulu is the, you can say the a mass, supermarket. Yeah. The, but it's a mass supermarket because it's an everyday supermarket. It's not the luxurious supermarket for the elite. This is for everybody who lives in Dubai would know Lulu. Lulu is a small little guy that came to Dubai as an accountant and now is a multimillionaire. Why? Because he has done a great job day on day. Is the CZ of the food market, you understand? He had just done a good job consistently all the time. So when these people start adopting blockchain, digital assets and crypto payments, then we're doing the right steps for adoption. Interesting. And I will consider those uh, for Elias because he wanted uh, any trading advice. I think all of those that you mentioned in your last part are about trading advice. I don't know if you want to add something else. Uh, trading advice, I, I, I can only make one comment. First, I'm not a trader. I don't trade. <laughs> I, I, I'm too busy with technology to do trading. I, I think the only people that have any chance at trading today are probably artificial intelligence automated bots, uh, maybe assisted by some specialists. 
But the people today that say, oh, I want to get in and do trading. Oh, I listen to these uh, sort of um, experts of the blockchain that give you advice of what to buy or to sell. Please, I I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, who are you listening to? What, what has put them in a position to be able to, to make such advice? So the only advice that you have to follow is your own self-awareness about the knowledge of the technology. And keep in mind that today, the real people or organizations that are making serious money in trading are the ones that have artificial intelligence behind them, listening to lots of signals and sentiment information and being able to make split decisions in an automated way. So if you are sitting in your little mobile app trying to say, oh, shall I buy, shall I sell? The bot is long time gone. I mean, you're probably a few minutes behind the bot and a few minutes behind the bot, it's too little, too late. You, you cannot compete because it's a highly uh, efficient decision-making process. Now, if you want to make what I would call long-term investments, and what I mean by long-term investments is you pick uh, what you might say your maybe five safe projects Five safe projects could be, uh, let's say, Ethereum as example, as a safe project, because today most of the technology runs somehow on Ethereum, apart from just Bitcoin. So that means, and there is another 10 others, Cardano being one, Algorand, Solana, Polkadot, and the list is long. The point is you pick the ones that you see more trust on. This will give you, you can say, your safe a wallet investment, but you're not trading. What you're doing is you're depositing and waiting for three months, six months, one year, two years. And then you go back and see, wow, this has progressed good. And then you have what you can call your high-risk It's a long-term strategy, let's call it. It's long-term. And then you can have 10 of short-term. And short-term could be you pick some that you, oh, I have a hunch. I like this one because it's into gaming. Oh, I like this one because it's into social influencing, oh, I like this one because it's into a specific vertical that is quite unique. But the chance is it could go or it could actually disappear. And there's probably a bigger likelihood that it'll disappear than it'll actually go. I would say probably today, if you look at all the ICOs, STOs, everything that happened, I'd say somewhere between 95 to 98% of these projects have disappeared. So it means what are you left with? 2% to 5%. So that means uh, your chances are, are very small. So that means if you want to get this 2%, you have to invest in 100 projects, 98 will fail, and those 2% will make more than the ones that fail. But how do you choose this 2%? Uh, I think there's a bit of luck involved. Luck meaning that timing uh, and, of course, uh, awareness and due diligence um, as you move forward. Yeah, I think last week we shared a report from Gecko, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, it's the, it falls in the same thing that uh, almost 90% of all of the coins or 95% of all of the coins, the actual current coins, are kind of in a dormant without any transactions even. So it's, it's crazy. We have around 200 people now alive with us. I think they got benefit of this, uh, you know, tips that, that you provided. Uh, it's, it's very, you know, it's... It's amazing tips. I think you should all uh, grab the benefit of them. I'm going to ask you one last one before. Actually, there's two, but the last one is usually I do ask it. So Lama wants to ask you 
what's the best way to connect with you, but we'll leave it for uh, in a minute. What do we need as regulations or we shouldn't actually jump and push for regulations? What's your take on regulations versus no regulation? Well, I'm a, a firm believer that regulations play an important role. The thing that we have to realize is that regulations take time. Take time because they need to mature and understand the technology. So I find the best approaches from, from all the many projects that have participated is the approach of the sandbox. And the sandbox is kind of a, a regulatory box that, that allows you to try your project. The regulator observes your project. And if your project is successful, then the regulator commits to pass regulation that will allow you to continue operate and expand as a business. So it's kind of a post-regulation, but pre-regulation with some conditions. And usually these conditions are limited amount of expansion and limited amount of operations means, okay, instead of going for millions of customers, maybe you can only go for 100 or 500 customers. So it allows the regulator to observe. Then at the end of this regulatory period, normally you have to perform several audits, which allow the regulator to understand, yes, this was good. Uh, this is the positive benefits. This is what needs uh, to be changed. Now, all this said and done, some areas are more difficult to regulate. And one example would be DeFi or decentralized finance, because these elements tend to run 100% on the blockchain. And I think there are solutions that are also starting to appear that allow you to do what we know as KYC and AML, or know your own customer, anti-money laundering, uh, because it's an important element so that we don't use money for the wrong things. And by enabling these solutions to also support uh, this uh, approach of regulation, then they become more mature. And you can say regulations versus no regulation is a bit like a pendulum, centralized versus decentralized. You can say decentralized is full, full freedom and everybody does what they want. And centralized is no everything control, only one person makes the decision. And I think the, the blockchain will be somewhere in between. Yes, we went very decentralized, but now with the pendulum, it's pushing it back to a little bit more centralization. And that means regulation. Uh, is it. And this regulation is important because we have seen the expansion now of what we call security tokens. And security tokens can, can only operate in a regulated environment because they're considered securities. Even the ones that operated in a non-security environment are now being reclassified as securities. So they will have to either pay penalties because they operated out of their scope of operation or need to adapt to, to fit into the frameworks that are basically authorized uh, by the government. So I think between freedom and uh, anarchy, the practical solution lies somewhere in between. Uh, indeed. Uh, George, let me ask you this question. What are three websites or three, uh, you know, of course, websites or three sources of information you actually on daily basis or, you know, weekly basis you actually uh, tap into so that our people, also our followers can uh, join us and get more information? The, the first source of news that I do is our, I read the news around um, the entire space. And of course, there is many um, providers that write their own news and they get the distributed. So I tend to go to news feeds from Google that actually automatically pick these feeds. And they come usually from coin market related uh, producers of content. So this gives me a complete feed of news and a very wide visibility. 
Because one thing has to be understood is that blockchain does not exist outside of the normal world. It may be a digital technology, but it is affected by what happens around the planet. Let me give you an example. Now there's a conflict between um, Ukraine and Russia. Well, this has a direct impact on blockchain. You cannot say blockchain lives outside of what oil price or other things that happen around the world. So things have a correlation. So you need to get the complete picture so that you understand how to make a proper decision. Then, of course, there's tools that are very specific, like, for example, CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap, that allows us to verify and index much more detailed information about the projects. Is that enough information? The answer is no. Uh, I mean, um, you have to learn how to go to a website. You have to learn how to go into social media, LinkedIn. Uh, you have to go learn how to read a white paper. Uh, if you see a white paper and you don't see any faces, you ask, why are there no faces in this white paper? What are, wh- why do they want to stay anonymous? Maybe there is a good reason. Uh, i give example. I've had some white papers from certain parts of the world, in this case, um, parts of Africa, where crypto or blockchain is not allowed or not regulated. So they decided to stay anonymous. But I I told this project, you know, you need to create some people that will help you represent. Otherwise, you lose substantial uh, uh, amount of uh, credibility. Normally, people tend to just read white papers, but I prefer to read other pieces of information. I want to know the light paper. I want to know the business plan. I want to know the yellow paper, which is the paper of the technology behind the white paper, so that you see what I would call a deep dive to understand, can this solution actually make sense? Is the business model sound? And what I found in 80 or 90% of the cases is they're using blockchain the wrong way, or it's not the appropriate solution for what they have created, or there is no community. They should not use blockchain in the first place. (laughs) That is correct. So then you go check into things like social media. Example, you go into Telegram. You have a very project that claims to be famous or has thousands of users. And you go to Telegram and you see 500 users. You go, oh, something is not, the numbers don't compute. So now keep in mind that having a project that maybe has 50,000 or 500 in Telegram is not necessarily indicative. Then you have to check, are these real people or are these robots? <laughs> Yeah, so we live in the world of robots, same as uh, Elon Musk, you know, entered the Twitter with, with a funny way when his fight was about, you know, bots and robots. And uh... and there's a lot of fake news, unfortunately. It's very sad to say there's people that make money out of these fake news. And even myself have been affected by it. And you're fighting a battle against an invisible enemy because you you are in a borderless world where anybody can put together... By the way, not only that, some of these news are actually being produced by AI bots themselves because you look at the story and you say it doesn't make any sense. I mean, they cut and pasted from three stories and they simply stitched it together in a rapid way. So that really means uh, people have to go beyond and really analyze what they're reading and say, what is the real story behind this? And this, by the way, applies 100% to what we have in front of us today, which is the story between FTX and Binance. And I can tell you at 100% certainty, 90% of what you see on the media is not the real story. The real story is much more simple, much more straightforward, but the results are in the media. And the rest is just um, 
I, I was going to use the term vaporware or newsware, but you understand it, 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 it promotes, it creates, and it's amplified very fast because one has to understand that today's social media uses artificial intelligence behind it. And I mean artificial intelligence in WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, etc., even Google included. And this artificial intelligence brings people together that say, say the same thing. So the news tends to amplify itself. So it's a news within the news instead of being the real thing that actually generated the story in the first place. Right. Right, right. And, and then I want to add one thing. I, I was reading about uh, the interview with uh, Combase CEO, uh, Brian Armstrong. He was mentioning about this. And also he was mentioning about the risky also takes and the risky exposure that FTX went into which uh, other exchanges don't usually, such as Coinbase. He was trying to put Coinbase in a, in a corner where he doesn't reinvest the money or the assets or the tokens or, you know, whatever into something else where he has the ownership, 100% of the ownership of the tokens and the coins that are deposited at uh, Coinbase. So he's trying to assure, if I want to say, the market that there's nothing's going to be happening uh, in, in Coinbase. Anyhow. And by the way, th th this applies also to the stable coins that we're using today, like USDC, USDT. Is every USDT backed by a real dollar or by a mix of different assets? If one of those assets is not stable, then it's not backed anymore. So it's, it creates a cascading effect of very high risk for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. We go back to the question, How? what's the best way to connect with you? That was uh, asked by our dear, okay, by Lama. And one last word that you can share with us. Oh, okay. Uh, best way to connect me is obviously places like uh, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. You can easily follow me. Connect with me on Instagram is easy or Twitter because there's no limit. In the case, for example, of LinkedIn, I've been at maximum 30,000 connections for the last five years. Originally asking LinkedIn to increase it, they never did. Microsoft is not about to increase it. So I have to always decide how I need to remove some to add a few more. And there's a long uh, queue ahead. So, but do connect. Uh, I try to answer as many questions. Um, you can send me an email. I have 26,000 unread emails. So if I don't answer your email, Please don't Just take make it sure personally. You don't, they don't message the the fake uh, the fake uh, George. There is a lot of fakes. Actually, I, I I don't ask money from anybody. I do a lot of uh, projects as charity, and most people don't believe this, but I I'm happy to show you what I received for those projects. And sometimes I would make more money by working at McDonald's. I mean, kind of figuratively speaking. And I believe it's important to give back to the community by giving this. Uh, education and giving this knowledge so that the next generations build better products and are actually uh, more more successful as well. So do try to reach, um, obviously, things like even WhatsApp. I try to answer, although my WhatsApp is always blinking, so I try to put it on silent from time to time. Uh, the last question that you ask is, what is some of the takeaways? Well, continue to believe in this uh, technology because it's an important technology. Uh, it is a technology of decentralization, freedom, and innovation. Uh, think, however, that blockchain is not going to be the last technology that ever existed. Uh, the best projects of blockchain are the ones that you use blockchain, but you don't know you're using blockchain. What do I mean by that? 
is that one blockchain became so embedded into the things that we do and it's so easy to use, this is the really useful and uh, blockchain. So try to create these solutions that everybody can use everywhere. I've had some colleagues that have done tremendous uh, solutions in this area. Um, and this applies even to NFTs. As if you know today, people that are looking or trying to use NFTs, it's just simply too complex and too cumbersome for the average user to even approach uh, uh, such a usability in the project itself. Uh, we have a last comment for you. Uh, those are emojis. Amazing talk, George. Thank you. Thank you. So it's my pleasure to be for, here for joining. Do you have any any keynotes or any intervention soon or any platform uh, on any? Yes, I do. Actually, I am teaching on the 11th, um, which is the day after tomorrow. I'm teaching safety and privacy in the metaverse at Dubai Design Week. So if you happen to be in Dubai, do drop by Design District, um, which is behind Business Bay. Uh, it's going to it's a four-hour master class, so it's not a half an hour presentation. So you'll get to learn some of the useful things about the risks associated with operating in this new environment. I'm basically giving away a lot of information. That is my 22 years of experience in cybersecurity as it applies uh, to these new technologies. Uh, we have obviously uh, a whole bunch of other interventions coming up, including IBC and Malta, quite a few others. We obviously have EchoX uh, every week. I would say that 50% of my interventions are physical. And 50% of them are virtual, like the one we're doing today. And I'm grateful for that because, you know, as much as air travel is fun for me, it's like taking a bus, you know, it's not as fun as it looks. And I'm a tall person, so I have to kind of sit a bit sideways or try to sleep <laughs> vertically sometimes. So not so comfortable. Yeah. I totally understand you on that front. It's, it's becoming a pain in the ass, if you want to call it. Anyway. Thank you, George. Uh, see you next week, hopefully, if you're in town. It's, it's my pleasure. You're always welcome. Uh, like we say in the Portuguese or Spanish, mi casa, su casa, my house, your house. So please welcome, join us. And the most important thing I think is important, I find important here is that we have a very vibrant community. And uh, the community meets regularly. Okay, not every event is always exciting. But even if the event is not exciting, you can always find something exciting to talk about with the people that are at that event. So uh, expand your connections to the largest amount of people that you know, because this gives you points of reference. These people might be able to help you. They might be able to help you understand a specific story. They might be able to help you understand a technology, or if they don't have the answer, they might have the connection to the people that has that answer. And therefore it will be helpful for you or your project or your investment. Uh, as your requirement may be. Yeah, that's something I, I personally discovered every time I go. It's, it's an amazing network. It's amazing people. You know, all, all of them are in the space. They understand each other. They cooperate. And then, you know, maybe you don't find your solution. They will definitely send you to other one to find your uh, whatever is your, is your problem because it's not about yeah. technology sometimes. It's more of human or connections or yes. uh, anything in between uh, technology and human. So with that, Perfect. thank you again. Lovely seeing you on DX Talks and Crypto Talks. And then we'll see you next all, week. All, always welcome. Anytime. Inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. Forza Saida. Yeah. Inshallah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye.